When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We have a cracking show lined up for you over the next couple of hours. And let me say hello this afternoon to my first guest. Put yourself, if you can, and you lived at the time back in the early 90s. And you are in Orla Doherty's shoes and you want to come out as gay, lesbian. And you are part of a very devout Catholic family. What do you do? Just think about that time because I lived through it. I can understand those times. 1992. It's so different today. Orla, welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks a million for having me on. Not at all. My God, your story resonated with me. Did it? So, oh, look, so powerfully because, you see, I'm a little ahead of you in years and I remember that time oh so well. And... It was mad, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely unbelievable. You, you actually couldn't bring yourself to tell them face to face. Tell our listeners what you did. I know. Well, I was 21 and I'd sort of been over in, a, in England for a couple of years and fallen in love with, with a woman and got my heart broken and, and came back to, to Dublin. And I couldn't uh, bring myself to tell my parents, as you said yourself, when you're introducing me about the Catholic upbringing that we had and... I was very much involved with the Catholic Church, you know, doing readings at Mass and playing the organ and <laughs> you mm. name it. I did it to sort of cover myself. But um, I had, luckily, when I came back in 1991, I found uh, some friends who were in the gay community in the Yellow Pages. You know, we didn't have the internet back then. And <laughs> Tell me about you it. You couldn't Google anything. <laughs> and uh, so I was, you know, looking through the Yellow Pages and the tiny black writing and the print and yeah. So I did find some lovely people who sort of made me, they embraced me and made me feel like I'm not the only one in the world. Because you sort of, at the time, you think it's just me, what's wrong mm. with me. Um, and I slowly introduced them to my family, brought them out to Kilmarnock for a dinner once or twice. And of course, my parents, who adore me, um, said, what are you doing hanging out with those weirdos? You know, yeah. <laughs> because a few, you know, we were all just into our own way of dressing and acting Um but it got to be to the point where I was close enough to my parents that I wanted to be honest with them, but I also mm. knew I'd be devastating them. So um, I decided to write a letter and uh, addressed it to my mom because she was always the buffer between my, myself and my dad. And uh, I just wrote in the letter that uh, I wanted her to know that the, the people that I was hanging around with are gay people. And I was one of those people. I couldn't even say the words, I'm yes. gay. And off I went to the beach anyway with the dog and left the letter on the table and waited about 20 minutes. And then I said, it's time to go back. And my poor mother was sitting in the kitchen at 11 o'clock in the morning with a, it looked like a cup of tea, but I believe there was a hot whiskey in it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she just sort of had the letter opened up and, and, you know, my heart just broke looking at her. And, you know, I apologized. I said, I'm so sorry, ma'am. But at the same time, I did feel a bit of relief that now... It was out there. Yeah. You know, um, and she said, you know, my mother being my mother, she's lovely. She said, but Orla, what do you do? She said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you think of I it. mean, it's a fair question. It is, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is, sure. 
<laughs> well, I didn't tell her. Yeah, <laughs> good on you. Yeah, but then, you know, of course, she had to break the news to my dad. Yes. It was, I was his only daughter. There was only two of us, my brother and myself. And we were just raised to believe through no fault of anybody that you get married and you have kids and, mm. and that's the way it is. And um, it was illegal uh, up until 1993 uh, to be homosexual. Um, so my dad was devastated and, um, but you know, continued to love me. And, and he sort of took me aside and said, you know, what, you're probably not going to survive in this country. You'll get bullied and ridiculed and it, you won't be successful. And he had the foresight. Um, he, he suggested I apply for a green card in the lottery and head off to the United States. And, you know, luckily I won the green card mm. and, and, you know, landed in San Francisco, the biggest gay capital in the world at the time. And was just like a little child in a sweets shop, you know. Mm. And uh, you know, stayed in America for twenty two years and I always felt, you know, sadness and regret of, of having to leave. I did have a fantastic life in America. But, you know, as soon as in two thousand and fifteen when the referendum was passed, I was overjoyed and subsequently moved home the next year. Yeah. Now not not just because of that. I know. I had had other issues, you know, family members had passed away and I was as you age, your priorities change in life, and I did want to be back home in Ireland, but it made it all the all that much nicer to come home to an Ireland that was accepting. Yes. Um, and I mean, how times have changed. You know, oh, you're, you're not that much older than me, <laughs> I have a few years <laughs> on you, but I know what you're saying. It's an entirely different world today. Did they ever... Did they did they ever accept? You know, I I feel sad when I hear you saying like he wanted to protect you. He said, yeah. "Get the green card, go somewhere you'll be safe." He was thinking of you. He loved you as you said always, and your mum did. Was there ever an acceptance? Ah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. definitely. They, yeah. they, I had you know a few relationships, and I got married in Boston, and my dad came, and I think it was the happiest I've seen him mm. for me. This was in um, in Boston, God, what year was it, 2005. And he really was, he was overjoyed at the wedding. I remember a great picture of me dancing with him and it's just the, the beam on his face. I think he was just probably initially worried, would I find happiness? Would I find stability? Would I find somebody to spend my life with? Mm. And he prob- that's probably all that he wanted. I mean, we joked about it shortly before he died and I said, you know, what is it about being gay that you really don't like? And, and he said, well, Orla, I don't like the 55 mile an hour speed limit, but I deal with it. <laughs> you know, so he was always, he was that kind of a man, with, you know, always had a joke. Yes, um, the humour. But yes. no, definitely both my parents uh, continue. Sadly, he passed away in 2008, but my mom and, you know, myself were, were still best of friends. And, yeah. You know, she always thought everything I did was a phase, but it's a very long phase now at this point. (laughs) It certainly is. And the other thing about you, I have to mention to listeners, you actually applied to become a nun. I know. Uh, You know, and (laughs) I got rejected, would you believe? I, I, you know, when I realised at a very early age, I was nine or ten, and I wrote this in the independent piece, that I was in a school play, and I I fell in love with the, the, the girl who was the lead actress. She was only 12, and I didn't know what these feelings were and, and I was getting laughed at and one of them called me a lesbian and I went home to my mom and I said, Mom, what's a lesbian? And I was told never to use that word again, go off to my bedroom and say my prayers. So I, you know, with my nana went off to Lourdes and I did love the Catholic Church. I have to say I loved the, I don't know, it was stability, it was a place for me to go and it was, it was um, I don't know, but I, I launched myself into it Um mm used to watch the song of Bernadette. Do you remember that movie? Oh my, oh my. <laughs> every Irish home, every Irish home, Orla. And I was jealous that Bernadette got to see the Virgin Mary and um, I went to Lourdes my nan and jumped in the bath and everything, never got to see her. So when I, I remember I used to play squash and I was on the bus, the 32, heading into Clontarf to squash Ireland and I was early for my match and I was 17 and I got off the bus in Rohini because then I said, I'll have a walk on down. And I went into the church and there was one of these, you know, the, the, the sort of posters that have a picture of a young girl praying to the Virgin Mary and the nuns were saying, this is your calling. And so I said, that's it. <laughs> this is, so I, I actually wrote away to them and, and um, had two phone calls and then a letter came in the post in one of those brown envelopes and it just said, we feel that God has bigger plans for you. <laughs> and weren't they right, Jerry? <laughs> 
Well, there was somebody with foresight and vision there. I have to say Thank that God for, the for sure. Yeah. Hey, what about what about break for the border? <laughs> do oh, I? Yeah. I remember it well. The people there. You, you, yes, I do. You worked there. I was in it on several occasions. But you know, you, you you worked. <laughs> I don't know. Don't even go there. But anyway, I'm just saying to you that you you really do give credit to the people you worked with there. I do, because when I come back after my heart was broken and I, I at the time I was supposed to be a professional squash player in England. But of course, I came home to Ireland and gave up everything. I was depressed. And my dad, again, my dad with the foresight, he was going through the one ads in the newspaper and he said, There's, they're looking for staff at this new place. You know, why don't you apply? And so I did apply and I have to, I'm going to tell you a white lie here, Jerry. I've never told anybody. I said I used to be a bartender and I never was. Um, and I got a job and break for the bar- border as a bartender. <laughs> I'm coming out now 30 years later. But I was a very good bartender, but my, my boss, Tony Brophy, if he's listening, and Brona Finley and Karen Burke, they were all there for me. Um, it, we were part of the opening crew and I had confided in them because... Um, they were the only people I had at the time and mm. I was, I'd was i found a little flat on the South Circular Road and I had freedom and I had independence and so I'm sure it was over a glass of Southern Comfort and Red that I said <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gay. Yeah. And they, they made me feel so accepted and welcome and they just, they really took me under their wing and I, I'll always remember them for, for that. Um, they were the ones who sort of encouraged me to tell my parents so mm. I'm very grateful. That was a great time at Break for the Border. What a place. What a place is right. And and just yeah. to mention the squash, uh, folks, uh, Orla, an international squash player, wonderful sportswoman as well. You excelled. Ah, sure, look. We all excel, don't we? <laughs> ah, but come on, don't be... Don't, you're, you know what you are. You're typical. I'm the same myself. Oh, no, no. You know the Irish. Push the compliment yeah. away. Don't say that to me, you Where know. Where get that penny? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I was, I was a good squash player. Um, I uh, actually got better and better as I aged like a fine wine mm. um, I coached in, in the US for 22 years and had a very good uh, successful career as a coach and then when I came back to Ireland I decided to try my try my hand at it again and at 48 I got picked to play in the Irish national team I was an owl one with the youngsters on the team um, but I loved it and went off and played in the European Championships and then I just recently got a bronze medal in the World Masters so well done well, well done to you congratulations Ah, listen, listen, fine wine, you know what I mean? You're yeah. right there, matures. <laughs> Do you know one thing really did touch me reading about you? Um, when you went in 2018 to the first Pride yeah. March and just tell them, you know, something you saw really, yeah. you welled up, brought out the emotion in you, didn't it? It really did. It was my first time ever, believe it or not, to go to a gay pride in Ireland. I'd been to one or two in America and... Uh, I went in and I, you know, you're walking towards the hype and everybody's the excitement and the flags and the banners and the music and everything. And I saw two young girls, probably 19 or 20, and, uh, no older than I was back then in, in the, the, the days when I was coming out. And they were holding hands and walking along and just laughing. And I'm going to get emotional now talking about it. It really made me well up because it, it sort of brought me back to that 19 year old Orla. And I couldn't in those days. We were we'd be hiding and afraid to hold hands. And I just was thrilled for them that they have this freedom now and acceptance. Mm. And at the same time, sad for myself that I didn't, you know. But you know, no regrets. It was it was a beautiful moment. Yes. Um, and and you do know on the road to Damascus there are many challenges and as Absolutely. well as that if you look back at all of the struggles that we've had as men and women in life you know what I'm yeah. talking about and even since Absolutely. the formation of this young state of ours that's still a bloody young state even Isn't after a hundred years it is it is and that's yeah. the point about it uh, but yeah. you know you uh, played your part you know what I'm saying uh, yeah. on that yeah. road. You know, that's, that's true. That, that's no, you're very true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That shouldn't but, be lost. I mean, I, you know. I've no, and I don't, I'm not one of these bitter old, you know, I am old, I'm 51, but I'm not. You're a young one, go with that. Yeah, but I don't hold any grudges. You yeah. know, I, I see it mm. as what it was. And I always say my parents raised me the way their parents raised them. And that's just, just the Ireland that it was. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't blame the Catholic Church. I, I mean, I might get a bit of backlash for saying that, but I don't really blame anybody. 
Mm. It's just the way it was, and I turned out fine, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You you sound good to me. (laughs) You sound sound to me, may I say, for sure. But uh, going back to when you made that phone call, I could just see it as well, you know, the the yellow pages, the phone box. You had to go to the coin box, ring these people. Yeah, and, and you know, it really was underground then, wasn't it? It was below the surface. It really was, um, and and frightening almost, you know, because yeah. I, I tr- I'm trying to remember. I went there was a community centre. I don't know if you remember, but it was in somewhere around Temple Bar, and even just walking in and sitting down was nerve wracking. It was like you're going to the dentist or something for the first time. But the the wonderful reception I received from everybody who was there, and I immediately felt at home, mm. and that was something I just. It was almost like a breath had been. Or, or some a cloak had been lifted off me, sort of feeling, you know, it was just yes. incredible. But, but yeah, and then you know, arranging to meet and go to either a coffee shop or we used to go to the Parliament actually, um, and that was on Parliament Street. Yeah. Uh, we used to go there, but it was always you were afraid to go. Once you were in, you were fine. Mm. But then you'd be afraid to come out mm. and be seen walking to get the bus and. You know, but that's not like that anymore, thank God. No, and, uh, you know, we have grown up, uh, you know, I mentioned since the formation of the state just over 100 years ago or whatever, you know, but uh, in a short space of time, we've moved substantially. And, you know, that, yeah. I don't have to tell you, for some people that's still a challenge and for others, mm. you know what I mean, it's just a par for the course and, and we move on. I have to mention the wonderful Barbara Scully as oh. we speak because... What would I do without her? She, oh, listen, <laughs> what would I have done without her? I wouldn't have got a holiday. She sat in this... <laughs> A chair for two weeks recently, and I, I see you mentioned her as well. Yeah, uh, yes, isn't she's a wonderful woman? Person. Oh ah, my god! How, and I hope you've read her book. And if not, I would recommend cover to cover, book. cover to cover, cover. and yeah, interviewed yeah. her on it a few months back as well, and yeah. said it was one of the best reads I've read in quite some time. Uh, it yeah, really, really is. She's absolutely fantastic. And yeah. when I met Barbara, and the the beauty of it all was, we met in town, and Barbara selected the Grafton Hotel. Um, to meet and I mm. didn't realise because I haven't been in town for so long that that's the, where Break for the Border used yes. to be yes. and I thought what a coincidence yeah. so we started talking about um, those days and, and it was Barbara actually because she knows I'm a writer and I'm writing a lot of different stuff I write a bit of comedy and I'm writing my memoir but Barbara said to me why don't you write about coming out because yeah. not many women do mm. write about this topic and so I, it was really thanks to Barbara. I mean, Great I had the stuff. story inside me. She motivated yeah. me to put it down. Ah, she's brilliant. Now, I'm yeah. I, I, I'm going to leave you now, but I'm making a date with you. Is that okay? Oh, yes, please. Yes, when that <laughs> memoir arrives... Oh, I'll be up to you. Please, thing, that'd Jerry. be fantastic. Love I'd love yeah. to meet you, and and that that that's person. yeah, we will we will do that. Orla, thank you for joining me on the show. Oh, thank you, Jerry. Have Take care, yourself. Bye bye. Now we move on a late launch, and I love people who are innovative, and my next guest certainly is, because you know I'm sure if I say to you today. Are there many people out there still with their wedding dress? Have you held on to your wedding dress? Are there wedding dresses in wardrobes all across the northeast and beyond? Well, are there? If Have you? Or did you get rid of it? Well, have a listen to myself my next guest having a natter here on Late Lunch because Kiva Gore joins me from Ashburn in County Meath. Hello, Kiva. Hiya, how are you? I am really good. Well, first good. of all, take us back. What year did you get married? Oh, I got married in 2013. So and where did you get time. the dress? Um, I got it from a boutique in Mullingar. Grand. And would yeah. it, do you mind me asking you, what would it have cost you back then? Um, we got it in the sales for, but I'm going to, I'm going to say a thousand. Right. That's what I told my husband at the time. <laughs> but yeah, around, the, around about that, Mark. <laughs> anyway, a grand for your wedding dress and you loved it. You looked a million dollars on the day as usual, as beautiful <laughs> blushing bride. And you wear it once. Once, yeah, for a couple of hours. That's it. And then what did you do? Just hang it in the wardrobe, wrap it up, put it away, what? Uh, yeah, that was it. Underneath the bed, <laughs> <laughs> it was safe there um, because I had I had um, one of my daughters when I was uh, getting married, and I was pregnant with my other daughter when I was getting married. So yeah, under the bed where they couldn't get at it. Okay, so stored under the bed, safe and sound to remain there. So it's been there since twenty thirteen. So tell us what you did, or, or where the idea came from to take it out and tell them what you did with it. Uh, cut it up basically and made it into a communion dress because I ended up having um, 
more daughters. I have four, I have four daughters altogether. Yeah. So I just said this will save me so much money uh, in the long run mm. if I made it into a community dress for them. And kids are really easy to convince that this is a great idea. So they, they went along with it and they, they wear it then on their communion day as well. Good on you. So how many of your girls have worn it so far? Two, with another two to go. Great. So it, then, isn't that just a lovely touch? That each of them will have worn a dress that is the same dress for each of them, but brings them back to the mammy's wedding day yeah and it's theirs as well yes. on the day which they love yeah I think this is just great and and did you get a dressmaker or who to you know take it apart and create the communion dress yeah so it was Joan Mulligan alterations and designs in Dublin she's amazing so she she was the only person that I would really trust cutting it up so she did an amazing job on it Great. So you have put your wedding dress to good use and it'll be it's moving on now through the girls and, and another generation. But this isn't the end of the story. This has prompted prompted something else. Yeah, well, it wasn't really from my dress that prompted it. So mm. um in the school I'm part of the parents association in St Declan's in Ashburn. Okay. And prior to coming back to school, we had done a uniform rally um, for people, you know, because with the cost of living crisis at the minute, it was just, you know, everything is just so expensive. Mm. So we did a rally for uniforms. People came in their drones and then other parents were able to get those, avail of those uniforms through the school, which was amazing. Mm. So we had thought, why don't we do the same with the communions and confirmations that are coming up and a couple of other parents had phoned us as well. So it was on the forefront of people's minds. So we just um, really just actioned it, just went ahead and did it. And it's been amazing, uh, the response that we've gotten from it. So we're hoping to open up a pop-up shop early next year. And we don't have the location finalised yet, but we're hoping that people can come in again and have that retail experience with the kids and pick out their dress and walk out the door with them at no cost. So there'll be a donations welcome, but it's not going to be um, a mandatory thing for them. Now, as you say, you're involved with a parents group there in school. You have children of an age. It is a very expensive time. Do some people just lose the run of themselves? Uh well, look, it's hard not to. Yeah. You know, it really is. Yeah. Because the kids, you know, you, you, you're always imagining this day and then the kids, you know, it's all the talk in the school. So it, it's hard not to run away with this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then the cost just, the cost of the day will just keep going up and up. So we're hoping as well to hold a raffle. So we're looking for spot prizes as well, of cakes, you know, cake makers, balloons, supermarkets, anything really that will help with the cost of the day for people and raffle those off through the Parents Association as well. Okay, so it's a, it's a bigger picture and all driven by the uh, increasing costs all round at this time for everybody. So Absolutely. In a general sense, this has been received very well. People are, are very happy with this. You know what they are, and every parent that has donated a dress or a suit to us um, have said that they're really happy that it's going to something like this. They wanted to go to a good cause because it's just sitting in the wardrobe, um, you know, looking pretty. So for another family to get use out of it, um, they're really happy. And like the more donations that we can get of dresses and suits, the more families that we can get to help out as well on the days. So that's that's what we're hoping to do. Oh, good on you. Good on you. So how do you think, uh, you know, when you look at the dress, it's been used twice now. You must be delighted to see it getting this new lease alive twice already and two more times to come. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. Ah, you certainly are. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, top of the show, top of the piece there with you, I'm sure there are so many people who have their dresses stashed away. And honest to God, will you ever use it again? Yeah. Never. Well, people just won't use it again. It's simple as that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, So put it to good use. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's definitely the message do. today. Well, look, well done to you, Quiva. And uh, they're, they're a picture in the uh, converted wedding dress, I have to say. And all love it too. Thank you for joining me on the show. And Thank I wish you, you well. Jerry, thanks so much. And if anyone would like to donate their dresses to us, they can just find us on Facebook at St. Declan's PA. 
St. Declan's PA Facebook. Check it out, folks. Good luck, Thank Kira. you so bye. much. Bye-bye. 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 I love that. It's a great initiative, isn't it? And uh, wedding dresses, I'm sure people have them. Anyone else could do that? Anyone else do that or use it? Maybe for, a, would you use it for a christening robe for a child? Take part of a wedding dress? Never mind the communion dress. If you have... Just let us know. We'd love to hear from you, hear your stories. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Or would you not do anything with your wedding dress? Is there, I'm sure there's people out there say, no, 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 I just want to keep that dress and keep it forever. Perhaps there are people like that as well. Let us know on your late lunch this afternoon. I have a big birthday wish. Well, I have a few of them because Martin and Carl Quigley, father and son, have their birthdays today. And a request coming in from Ballisadare. Oh, the boys of Ballisadare in County Sligo for you, lads. And I want to wish a very happy birthday to a man who's 82 years young today. Yes, Sir Cliff Richard, happy birthday to you. And I've picked this one because it's one of yours I absolutely love. Louise, have you got your wedding dress? Are you someone who still has the dress? Have you put it to any use or what? Yep, still have the dress. And do you mind me? Is it, I is wear it, it every year on our wedding anniversary. No, I don't. I don't. What? I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> a minute. Hold on a minute. Yeah, like, me gl- well, you got me there, kid. You had me going there, kiddo. That's for sure. I Jesus, we're learning something here today. <laughs> you like Miss Havisham? Yeah, in uh, what you call Great Expectations. Great Expectations. Yes, one yeah. of my book I did for one of my exams. <laughs> I have a new nickname for you now. I'm not going to tell them. Go around the kitchen, I'll, I'll... up on the floors of my wedding dress every year. Where is it? It is in a box. I actually sent it up to a specialist place in Donegal and they clean it, specially clean it and then they box it in some way that I don't know, they take the air out or something. It's not meant to go yellow yes. over the years. So they sent me it back in a lovely box and I have put it up in my bedroom and um, I don't even know there could be sackcloth in it for all I know. I never checked. I know, it's in it all It's right. in there somewhere and it's just up and I'll never ever obviously need it again. Maybe mm. my daughter in years to come might want to use it in some shape or form. I doubt she'd ever wear it, but you never yeah. know, she might make into something else. Yes, it's vac-packed. <laughs> Can we say that? Yeah, it's vac-packed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Miss Havisham's dress is vac-packed yeah. uh, for posterity. And obviously in, a, in an environment there, as you say, that the colour will keep in that as well. Yeah, many people, you know, wouldn't mm-hmm. touch the dress at all. They keep it for years and years. Others, like Kiva, and uh, I know other people as well, have used them to make, you know, special occasion dresses for their children, etc. So there you go. You have yours kept mm-hmm. safe. And it's the same. And we were sound. talking about communion dresses as well. A lot of parents keep their kids communion yes, dresses. Yes, yes, they like, do. Kids don't want it. They move on and but yeah. parents just still keep them. That's true. Uh, we, we love your comments to the show and it wasn't all a dirty great top of the show, Fab- Louise. She really was fabulous. It's just to reflect the different sides of commentary on it, um, um, uh, Marion and Nace says, I find it disturbing that at the time of the gay marriage referendum, people were terrified to state they were voting no. Um, and I also find that... Uh, you know, you're nearly press ganged by supporters of the LGBT movement, uh, you know, to think their way. Nobody there think differently, says Marion. That's the way Marion feels. We, we're delighted to hear from you today, uh, expressing your views. On the other hand, Frank phoned in uh, and said, what a story, Jerry." She mentioned being a nun at one stage. This is what a lot of people did years ago. They joined the religious orders to hide their sexuality. Uh, this was hiding it under the carpet. The same with Orla's dad when he advised her to go to America. I would always stand by my daughter. And in today's world, this situation has improved but we're still not quite there yet, Jerry. Thank you indeed. And that's sort of a reflection of what we're hearing. And many uh, good wishes to Orla for coming on and telling her story as well. She was fantastic. Friday afternoon, late lunch. It's time for one of our regulars. Knock, knock. Who's there? That's how it works. It's called comedy. Comedy. Comedy, comedy. Comedy, sir. Comedy. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. On the late lunch. I love comedy. Don't we all? And I absolutely love Mr. Joe Lysett. I've featured him a couple of times and I have something new from him for you today. 
Here he is talking about a windy mugging and his inner voice. I was in Starbucks in Birmingham recently, because I'm earning, and these two... <laughs> these two women were having a conversation with the thickest of black country accents, and the one said to the other, she said, you're still going to tag the kids to the Middle East? And the other one said, yeah, I'm going to tag the Babai to Abu Dhabi. Right. <laughs> I had to leave Starbucks, I was in so much pain laughing. <laughs> no, I did so, I did, this is really unladdy. I was in the Touchwood Shopping Centre, which I think is the gayest name for a shopping centre, isn't it? <laughs> you had a lovely time there. Uh, <laughs> these two sort of roughly 14-year-old lads tried to mug me. They came up to me and they went, give us your wallet. And I went, no. <laughs> and then farted out of nervousness, because... <laughs> I was so terrified, absolutely terrified. I was like, what are you going to do if I don't give you my wallet? And they're like, oh, we're going to headbutt you. They'd be lucky because they're about this high. <laughs> also, the headbutt is the worst threat ever, isn't it? Because, sure, hit somebody in the head, that is a weak point. What are you going to hit them with? My head. <laughs> but I just went, I've got a knife. <laughs> I, I sort of did because I'd just been to Lakeland, so I did. <laughs> It wasn't a knife, it was a pizza wheel, so... <laughs> I didn't stab them, I cut them into eight neat slices. It was fine. <laughs> I mentioned farting there, I'm good at farting. That's a masculine thing, isn't it? Are you good at farting, sir? No. What's the longest one you've ever done? <laughs> Do you know, I haven't timed it. Mine's 14 seconds. <laughs> Which I think might be a medical emergency, I'm not sure. <laughs> Somebody asked me, how did I know it was 14 seconds? Genuinely, it was because I was watching Countdown at the time. That's... <laughs> I do, I'm not laddie, but I have a sort of naughty side, and I call it walrus. And that's because my spirit animal is a walrus. Don't worry, I don't believe in any of this nonsense before I move on. I don't believe in, like, ghosts or any of that. I hate when people say they believe in ghosts, because they always say things like, I saw a ghost at the end of my bed. It's always in a conveniently creepy place, isn't it? <laughs> no one ever goes, I saw a ghost in Morrison's. I just... <laughs> but I was at this house party, and there was this spirit healer there called Janet, and... She was so smug, she had a face on her, she looked like she was constantly pissing into a hot tub and getting away with it, you know. Like... <laughs> so smug. And she's like, I can tell you what your spirit animal is, Joe. It's a walrus. Well, what do I do with this information, Janet? <laughs> this is useless. And she said, walrus will talk to you and tell you to do things, and you should listen to that inner voice, to that inner walrus. I shouldn't listen to my inner voice, because it is normally things like, kick that toddler, just a stream of unacceptable things. But she kept saying, listen to the voice, and then she said, I do normally charge for this service. It is normally £30, but as we're at a party, I do it for half price, I do it for 15 I was like, Walrus says you can piss off. <laughs> Mr. Joel, I said, one of the funniest men around, he really is. <laughs> well, no laugh, it does you good, doesn't it, at any stage? It really is a tonic. Yo, late lunch on LMFM Radio. Father Noel Kyo, I spoke to him ahead of the St. Gerard's Novena at the Redemptorist in Dundalk, and it's been in full flight and concluding this weekend. He won't be happy with me because I'm taking one of his main men away for a few moments. Father Derek Ryan, welcome back to late lunch. Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, it's great to great to be back on your show again. And and I hope Noel forgives me. Just for, we only want you for a few minutes anyway, Derek. You know what I mean? You'll be grand. Anyway, the novena going well. Just as an aside. Yeah, yeah. I, I just believe it or not, just stepped off the sanctuary day. I just celebrated the mass there uh, for the the lunchtime crew, as we call it. And um, yeah, it's going going very well. A huge crowd coming in from Armagh, Monaghan, down. Not to mention Louth and Meath, and um, it's it's great. To be honest with you, I think Noel might have expressed it to you uh, last week that you'd be slightly nervous coming into an event like this, especially mm. after it being cancelled for the past few years. Uh, and we're we were a little bit unsure as to you know the, the amount of people yes. that would come. But to be honest with you, it's just it's it's the usual turnout and. It's 
it's uh, it's fantastic. It's great to see. Ah, it's great to hear as well. Now, you're with me today because yesterday the GAA and its president, Larry McCarthy, along with uh, members of the refereeing uh, body, uh, launched Respect the Ref campaign. And next weekend is dedicated to respecting the referee. There's a Respect the Referee Day across the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd of October. Now, Derek, you've taken the whistle on many big occasions and will, I'm sure, in the future. Is it really bad? Um, it depends on the referee um, you talk to. Um, and I think every referee will have a particular perspective on this. So one thing I have to say to you is that I'm not setting myself up as any kind of a spokesperson for referees by mm. any means, but I'm here in a kind of a personal capacity. Yes. Uh, I, I suppose we all have our, our own stories to tell. I, I, w- I would, My experience is it wouldn't be as bad as some referees would, would be saying it. Um, uh, 90% of the games, 90, even up to 95% tend to run fairly smoothly yeah. and fine uh, for referees. And I suppose in many ways, when referees speak, they do speak about that 5-10% of games where things get a little bit out of hand, get hot and heavy. And I suppose in many ways, some games um, have been highlighted over the past couple of weeks, especially uh, down, well, I won't start naming counties or county boards or anything yeah. like that. But you, we all know the, the situations yes. uh, that have emerged. So in many ways, the issues are, are coming maybe to the surface. We're talking about them a little bit more. Um, but I suppose the difficulties around uh, refereeing and the kind of things we have to deal with, um, they've, they've been around a long, long time. Mm. Um, I'd say if in many ways, referees are probably guilty of not speaking about it. Um, now, we would have our own little, let's call it internal support group where, you know, a lot of us referees were friends and we would chat to each other, you know, after a game, which I think is very important. You have to pick up the phone and, and phone somebody, especially if you've been on your own somewhere uh, and maybe, you know, feeling a little bit isolated or vulnerable uh, at a game. Um, and sometimes, as you know, like these big games, you'd be bringing friends of your own as umpires and they're a, they're a huge support uh, as well. Yes. But as I say, um, it was a very slick marketing campaign by Crow Park yesterday. Um, talking to some people, and I hope, uh, like Cormac Riley doesn't mind me uh, quoting him here, I was talking to Cormac earlier on today about it. It's a slick campaign, but you would wonder what kind of practical uh, kind of impact it's going to have on, on kind of officiating. Um, and not just for referees, for you know, for people who did the line, for, mm. for umpires, for anybody who's involved in the GA. You know, I was a spectator at a game there a few weeks ago, and I'll be honest with you, the level of verbal abuse the manager was receiving from his own supporters. Yes. Like, some people think it's just to preserve of, of referees. In many ways, I, I would have preferred a campaign yesterday by Crow Park that acknowledged the, the difficulties that exist for, for, for people in all in all roles within yes. the, the GAA. Uh, refereeing, of course, is a particularly difficult role. But let me tell you something. I wouldn't be a manager for all the, the money in the world. That's a particularly difficult role in itself mm. with huge pressures coming from a local parish community. Maybe some money involved as well, and that adds its own pressures as well to the manager. So, listen, it's a, it's a very... Um, it's a hot topic at the moment. It's great that we're speaking about it, but it's it's much more broader than what Crow Park were talking about right. yesterday. But as I say, I won't knock what Crow Park did yesterday. A slick campaign, great messaging, good videos out there if people want to uh, watch them on GAA.ie. Log on to the, the Twitter account and the Instagram page as well. Uh, very, 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 very good campaign indeed. Uh, funny uh, you mentioned that because our Louise uh, spoke to a very prominent national official as well and he would actually uh, echo what Cormac said, you know what I mean, as well, that, you know, all bells and whistles, but let's see what this actually delivers. Now, I suppose when you look at sport, Eric, it's like this. I see it through my rose-tinted glasses, which I have over the years for my teams, and somebody else sees it through their particular rose-tinted glasses <laughs> from their angle and their team, which is the opposite to mine, and you have to have the neutral glasses in the middle <laughs> and try, and you know what I mean, marry all this together it's just the passion the uh, intensity the, the spur of the moment you know what I'm talking about all comes together yeah, and I was at a meeting um, this week of Leinster officials and the meeting happened in Port Leash and one thing we were told to expect when when a Leinster championship campaign uh, takes place is the passion that exists at club level. That same passion mm. may not be there at inter-county level when you go to an inter-county game but when you're at a club game it's different because you're shouting for your parish yes. and the, the message we have, have got going into the Leinster championship season coming up is that be conscious of that 
just be conscious of it. Understand the, the context of a particular situation when it emerges in the game, whether it's a manager shouting at you or a player or a supporter or the far end. Understand that this is club competition. People love their parish. They love their community. And they're going, and as you say, they're watching the game from their particular perspective. Mm-hmm. It's up to us as referees that when we're, we're sanctioning somebody, that we, 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 we're reminded of that context. You know, uh, it, like I, I'm a supporter myself. Um, I'm a Nafina man and the Nafina girls are out this weekend I hope to get to, to, to see the game and when I'm there I'll be shouting hopefully words of support words of encouragement towards them and I'll, I'll be very conscious I suppose as a supporter when I do hear you know verbals being shouted from the sideline you, you become ultra sensitive and ultra conscious of these comments and I think um, what Cormac Riley was saying to me earlier on and it's very true he says the education actually starts on the sideline where supporters call other supporters out that we call people out mm. and we say to them you cannot say that to a 15 year old on a pitch you cannot say that to the referee you cannot say that to the manager you know and call people out and Cormac would, would believe and, he, and he's dead right that education will begin from from the sideline and Cormac Riley also now you'd feel that Cormac Riley should be doing this interview not me but anyway uh, but he, he said to me he'd like to issue an invitation uh, to people who see um, the referees courses taking place now in the coming the coming weeks both in Meath and Louth and the other counties around the place to actually go to a referees course, train yourself in do the exam and maybe become become a referee at under 13 level or under 15 level to understand the game and he says if we get enough people educating themselves uh, he says we'll stop this abuse. Yeah. It's a culture it's yeah. a culture and, and, and a, a lovely campaign from Crow Park. It won't have too much of an effect on it. But as Cormac says, education is key. Come to Dungani, go to the Darver Centre of Excellence, do your, your referees training courses and you'll see how difficult a job it actually is. Mm, and it is a difficult job. You have to accept that. Just before you go, I'm going to let you go in a moment. I suppose through the years, you as referees submit your reports. It goes into the county board or whatever, different in provincial, of course, uh, national level. And it's considered. And that's sort of the end of it when you uh, submit your report. I suppose there's been a feeling for a long time that referees at times have been hung out to dry and not backed by their county boards. Um, OK, you, you, you could say that. You could also say that referees are, are guilty sometimes of not reporting it. Mm. Um, so um, that maybe where a yellow or a red card should have been issued for something in a game, they choose not to issue it. Or maybe they've issued it, but don't make it too much of a big deal about it at county board level. So sometimes uh, referees are, are reluctant to take that step sometimes to, to report something that's happened to them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when referees actually do make that step to report something, Something that has happened in a game, whether it's a red, black, or a yellow card, whatever it is, it's often the case, uh, and I'm not. Uh, uh, pointing the finger at any particular county board or anything like that but it's often the case around the country that county boards don't follow through yes. and don't issue the proper yes. the proper sanctions we would sometimes question as referees what's the point of a 90, 96 week ban mm. we should maybe follow the, the line of rugby and let's talk about lifetime bans for certain incidents that happen on our sidelines that could be, could be on the pitch it could be the far side far side of defence it could happen anywhere but we really need to maybe take on board what other sporting organisations organizations are doing and maybe a lifetime ban is a way is a way to go yes and you know there are incidents that certainly deserve that as well and then there are others that you know when you see players getting you know uh, things overturned on appeal and stuff like that uh, then people just become suspicious of it and say well what's the point and you guys are in the firing line anyway watch this space Uh, we wish uh, the GA well with respect the ref campaign and let's hope as you say and others feel that this is just the beginning of an overall campaign for everybody involved in the game thank you so much for joining me Father Derek and good luck you're doing a big game aren't you tonight in Meath yeah, it's uh, Navin Amani's in uh, Central Stone this evening in Ashburn. So, a big game for everybody involved. Good luck to you there. Thanks for joining us Thanks on the show. Million. Thanks, Jerry. Take care now. Bye bye. That's Father Derek Ryan there, Redemptorist Priest, busy with the St. Gerald's Novena and handling a big game tonight and makes some very valid points indeed. Nancy, hello to Nancy Lynch, Snipe Hill Cottage in RD. Jerry, I've been doing that type of work. We were talking to Quiva Gore about uh, converting our wedding dress to communion dress for her children. I've been doing that work, says Nancy. 
easy for years. First communion, christening robes, etc. At the moment, I'm working on a wedding dress. It's 40 years old and our daughter's going to wear it for her wedding next April. There you go, Louise. I was a dressmaker for 65 years and I'm now 88 years young. Ah, Nancy, Nancy. Louise is going to be talking to you. I want to talk to you, Nancy, on late lunch. Lovely message. Thank you so much for getting in touch with us. Louise, Nancy, your wedding dress. Oh, fab. Look at that. Isn't that fab? Mm. It really is. And I'll tell you what's fab. If any of you are looking for a recipe for your tea this evening, Louise has it. Tell them what you're going to do. She, she, I'll tell you, you're really coming on at this. You're coming on, I have to say. I was reading it. <laughs> There's a big difference between reading it and cooking it. Oh, but I'm going to try it. Okay. I'm going to get a block of feta cheese and I'm okay. putting it in a, in a dish. Okay. And then I'm surrounding it with um, uh, baby tomatoes, um, mm. if there's any left out of the bag that you've given me. And then I'm putting in, <laughs> in salt and pepper, um, olive oil and some basil, putting it in the oven for yeah. 20 minutes. Okay. And then taking it out and hopefully it'll be gooey and mixing it up and then adding it to some cooked pasta. Oh my, that just sounds mouth-watering. Mm. It really does. The other option is the takeaway on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't have a tomato left. I brought her in a few. Last of the summer wine and mm. they're tasty, aren't they? They're lovely. still tasty. Very they are. They, they yeah. are indeed. But uh, anyway, uh, that is a lovely recipe. She stuck the pin in her own balloon. You shouldn't have said you read it. You should have said you come up with this in your head. <laughs> anyway, I could see a book coming out in the future you never know Miss Louise Walsh brings out her Here's going to be burnt earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. That's a great title. Here's one I burnt earlier. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That would get them standing up and really paying attention for sure. Hey, what about the UK? It's in chaos. Quasi Quartang, their uh, Chancellor name. of the Exchequer, is gone. She fired him. Liz Truss, in Liz we trust. Do you really trust in Liz any longer? I don't think she has a clue what she's doing. She's going to roll back on everything. I'm afraid they should have appointed Rishi Sunak. You silly people. He's at home laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, I'll tell you, the bank ain't laughing today in the UK. Anyway, watch this space. It's all coming up in the news this evening. Chaos across the water. But taking us to uh, top of the hour at three. I love this one. It's heart. You're never alone on late lunch. I hear the ticking of the clock. I'm lying here, the room's pitch dark. Back to your comments on late lunch. Jerry, my son came to me when he was 19 back in the late 90s. I knew from he was 10. And when he said it to me, I said, you are my son and nothing changes with us. And he kept looking at me for signs of rejection. So Marae's son came to her and said, I am gay. And Marae continues, I look at life like this. Uh, nothing has changed in any way. And nothing did change when he came to me. We were all born in, in a similar way. And if children can't go to their parents who can they go to, says Mairead. As he said to me, if I could choose, uh, why would I choose this life of prejudice, etc.? Isn't that shocking to think that? And that sums it up for me. And even still, people can be cruel. And why, as we are all here for such a short time, so let's live the life we are happy in. And maybe, Jerry, just maybe, levels of suicide would decrease within our society. My son is a professional within his work. He is a lecturer now. And I still feel people in general need to be educated more about having children who are different in any way. That lady is amazing and well done to her to tell her story. I feel she is a, such a happy person because she is living the life she is happy with. Regards, Mairead. So well put, Mairead. Thank you indeed for that wonderful comment. Marina Smith, hello to you in Kings Court today. She still has her wedding dress in the box in the top of the wardrobe with the receipt attached. It was born and bought in modern fashions in Dundalk. She also has the 50 pence coin given to her by her husband on the day she bought the first communion dress for her first daughter, which was worn by her five girls. And she has a real old christening robe as well and a hat. Uh, and so on her story goes it's terrific Marina I want to chat with you we're going to chat with you next week Marina we are for sure thank you for getting in touch with us on the show uh, now let's have uh, one more listen to our TV theme this afternoon <laughs> Yes, I 
picked it and played it because at the uh, British TV Awards last night, Emmerdale was acknowledged for its 50 years. Even King Charles sent them a message. Woohoo! Anyway, loads of you got it right. Big Emmerdale fans out there. Cathy Kelly, RD, the prize is yours on late lunch this afternoon. We'll be in touch. And thanks to everybody who participated in the fun. For the final time this week, let's hear this one. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week Artist of the Week I mentioned at the start of the week that Michael Bublé's dream he's my Artist of the Week was to sing or be a professional ice hockey player and yes, his voice won out but his interest in hockey saw him become the co-owner of Canadian outfit Vancouver Giants yes, he's a huge interest in the game but back to the music with 11 studio albums 3 live and 18 singles all becoming hits and selling millions around the globe after Celine Dion and Shania Twain, he's the next most successful Canadian artist of all time. And I am delighted to say, on June 7th, 2019, I had the pleasure of seeing him in a personal capacity for the second time at the Three Arena in Dublin. I could touch him. And he was simply superb, belting out wonderful songs just like this. I'm not surprised, not everything lasts I've broken my heart so many times I stopped keeping track Talk myself in, I talk myself out I get all worked up, then I let my I just haven't met you yet So good day, yeah I just haven't met you yet Mr. Michael Bublé, my artist of the week. And he wrote that one for his wife. Louise will be delighted to hear that. For every other ex-girlfriend he had, he wrote her one or two songs. But he wrote that for his wife. I'm sure that's played in the house every day. I'll have another artist of the week for you. <laughs> After three today, next week. Final break of the day and the week coming up. And afterwards, well, what a weekend in sport of sport in prospect here and abroad. David Sheehan looks ahead. Straight to business on sport with David Sheehan. Afternoon, David. Hey, Jerry. Thanks for joining me. Let's talk soccer for a couple of moments. Tonight, uh, Dundalk at Finn Harps. And Harps desperately need the points to avoid automatic relegation. Dundalk with Pats breathing down their necks. Yeah, Dundalk really would be would have been sickened by that by that defeat by Pats last week. And Adrian Taft mentioned it to Stephen O'Donnell after the game. Like they were pushing for a win in that game late on, which they didn't really need. A point would have been a really good result for them there, Dundalk. But they went for the. They were pushing on for the win. They got caught in the break a little bit. Pats seized the opportunity and scored that late, late winner. So that's a really damaging defeat for Dundalk against Finn Harps tonight. Obviously, the the shadow of the Creaseaw disaster hanging over mm. that game tonight. And as people may be aware, it might be worth pointing people towards the Finn Harps website. They produced a beautiful program with the 10 names of the people who passed away on the cover of it and that's available to buy online and all the proceeds are going to the to the families and to the to the fund there for that disaster so it's just a little sidebar on that Sherry it's going to be an emotional night there in, in Bally Buffet but yeah certainly Finn Harps have a battle of their own in their hands as you said to stay out of that bottom spot in automatic relegation going to be a very emotional and very poignant night it's always a tough place to go at the best of times Bally Buffet, uh, Dundalk are going to have their hands full to come away from, with, with that one with all three points I, I think Finn Harps might get a draw out of that one there you go. Sunday, uh, 5 o'clock, Drogheda United against Shamrock Rovers. Dead rubber for Drogheda, really. They're safe now. But for Rovers, they desperately need these three points again. Derry are closing in on them. And they've been tight games with Rovers and Drogheda all year. Yeah, they have. I suppose one of Drogheda's standout wins of the season was that 1-0 win at Head in the Game Park earlier in the year when Ryan Brennan got the, the header and beat Shamrock Rovers by a goal to nil. They still have a bit of a buffer over Derry. I mean, they still have a five-point gap. They're both on the same number of games. So you'd expect Shamrock Rovers to see it out from here. Uh, Drogheda, as you said, it's a free hit for them. They'll be loving having a, having a cut at Rovers themselves and try to finish as high up the table as they can. They'll have Shelburne in their sights, I'm sure, and they meet... Shelburne, uh, I think it's their next game up at Tolkien. and that'll be a taste one after what went on between Kevin Doherty and Damien Duff. So, Drogheda will certainly have their sights on getting the win, finishing the season strong. Um, I would still expect Rovers to, to clinch the title, and uh, you'd have to fancy them, let's be honest, to get the win on, on Sunday. But Drogheda proved before, and in the Cup, they ran them very close, so don't be surprised if Drogheda sneaked the win there either. Liverpool, Man City is the big of the games in the Premier League. In a word, will that win against Rangers, a facile win in Europe, do enough for Liverpool to enable them to hold or get the better of City? 
No. <laughs> That'll do. We just leave it at that. Man City to win that one. Let's crack on to GAA because it's a huge weekend of GAA here in the North East. And let's begin tomorrow in Meath. Two big finals tomorrow, the, the intermediate final. But first, that junior final between Castletown and Dunsany. How do you see that one going? Yeah, Castletown, who would have been like contenders at intermediate level for many a year, but went down to junior a couple of years ago and they've had to kind of reset and rebuild a little bit. It's going to be a really interesting game. I mean, we'll talk about Summerhill in a moment and a number of games at the final finals that they've lost. But I think Dunsany have lost something like six finals since the year 2000. My own club, Beck, have beat them a few years ago in the junior final. They've been to so many finals in Dunsany, they just can't get over the line. I'd love to see them do it, and it's nothing against Castletown whatsoever. But Dunsany have just been in such hard luck over the years, and they said a neighbouring club of mine at home. I'd really like to see them getting it done. It's a really hard one to call. I think Dunsany might just finally get it, get it over the line, but Castletown will be absolutely determined to get back to intermediate football again and it'll be a tough nut to crack but I'm going to give Dunsany the nod to, to finally get it done There you go in the intermediate match then at 4 o'clock Dunshockland taking on Dalik Bellius Town Dunshockland looking to get back to the senior ranks where they feel they belong they're starting here as favourites how do you see this one uh, panning out? Yeah, they're starting as favourites and I think they probably would have been most people's favourites at the outset for this year's Intermediate Championship. They went down last year, as you said, Navin O'Mahony's beat them, uh, who have problems of their own this evening. Navin O'Mahony's actually in the relegation game mm. against Central Saint. But in that Intermediate Final, I think most people would have fancied them shocking to win it. But the score that Dilly Belliestown put up in their semi-final against Dunderry, I think raised a lot of eyebrows. And the, the number, like it was 417 or something they ended up getting that day, put up a massive score and won so comfortably. So... You know, you can't go into a final on much better on a much better result than that, and their confidence will be up. It's a bit of a free hit for them as well, as you said. Most people will probably fancy them shocking, but uh, do you think Ballyston will give it a bit of a rattle? And I suspect it'll be a tight one, but I do think that Shocking will just have that little bit of extra class to get them get them through and get them back to senior. Then on Sunday, it's uh, the big one: Summerhill against Rathout. And uh, you mentioned Summerhill losing three in a row, 2017, uh, 18, and 19. Last champions in 2014. Rathout far better recent form. Champions 2019, 2020. How will this one go? Yeah, again, you know, Summerhill, they're there or thereabouts every year. They're a remarkable club, really, in so many ways. You know, they're always knocking on the door, knockout stages, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. As you said there, it's been a while since they've won it. They suffered those three defeats in a row, the most recent of which was the 2019 final defeat against Retote, which is Retote's first senior title. So it's going to be, again, I think it's going to be a real ding-dong battle. Both sides are coming into this one unbeaten. They sail through the groups and, and through to the knockout stages into the final. Uh, again, I suppose from a personal point of view, the heart would, would, would say Summerhill. I'd love to see Summerhill getting it done after the heartbreak they've suffered in recent years, but we're told they're so strong, they've so much experience. Toss of a coin here again, Jerry. I think we're told we'll just about do it, but I, I'm really not sure. It's, it's going to be a really tight one. It certainly will. And uh, on Sunday as well, we have another county final, which was unexpected because the loud final last week, finishing level between the Newtown Blues and St Mary's from RD, and they've got to do it all again this Sunday. One of the best loud finals in years, David. Yeah, well, I had my head in my hands, Jerry, when it ended all square because we're going to have our usual conundrum on Sunday when the two games are, are on at the same time. It's going to be an overlap. I should note both games will be available to listen to in full online on the, on the app so people can choose which game they want to listen to. Obviously, on the radio, we'll be switching between the two games once the Mead final shows in at three o'clock. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because I don't think either side will be coming into this game particularly devastated with the way things ended. You know, I don't think either side could, could say they threw it away last weekend even though RD or flew out of the blocks and led well early on. But, they were pulled back in and the Blues had a two-point lead with about, I think, maybe 10 minutes to go. But the, the equalising score came right, right at the end of the, the half hour and there was four minutes of added time neither side could get a winner. So I'd say both were probably happy enough with a replay. It's been moved to Dowdles Hill, as people probably would have seen. Uh, so that will make for maybe a better surface there uh, after last weekend's game was a bit cut up. I think the Newtown Blues will just about do it. We talked about their kingpin status last week and it's so long since the, the, the uh, RDC Marys have gotten across the line. But... Again, Jerry, I really couldn't say with any confidence who's going to win this one. It should be a really tight game again. And it'll be the old cliche, whoever takes the chances on the day and maybe gets a little bit of luck will we'll get it done. But it's nice and close to Colin Corrigan's house, so he'll be happy enough with that change of venue, I think. <laughs> and there's a big game tomorrow. Uh, I know it's not on our agenda, but uh, our Louise will be just on high dough around about four o'clock tomorrow in Loud because the St. Feckins under 15s take on Kilkerley Emmets uh, in that one. Now, hold on there, David Minnish. She's put the headphones on. Who's going to win, Louise? Well, we're hoping Feckins. <laughs> I'm not biased at all. 
She doesn't, she doesn't want to give them the pin on the wall, Jerry. but I won't be too strong on it, you know? <laughs> anyway, I'll be at the sidelines you, roaring. You will. And just to remind you again, Feckins are wearing the green and white <laughs> because the last day she was there, David, she was cheering it for... It wasn't my fault. <laughs> she was cheering for the opposition. <laughs> No, the we'll, others are the we'll same teach her yet, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we'll teach her yet. Look, you'll educate me yet. We will. We will. As my mother says, you'll, I'll never learn you. No, ma'am, you might <laughs> teach me, but you'll certainly, I'll have to learn myself. <laughs> anyway, David, uh, good luck to you. Sunday sport, huge this Sunday. And and again, remember, you'll hear both games. They're on at different times. The loud finals at two, the meat final at three, and online it's exclusive. And, of course, Dundalk tonight, that big game up in Ballybuffet. And good luck to all involved in those huge finals uh, in the North East Loud and Mead this weekend. May the best teams win. David, until next Friday, thanks a million. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. David Sheehan there, our presenter of Sunday Sport, bringing the curtain down on another week of late lunch. Thank you so much for your company every day. We love when you have we have you with us. It makes it all worthwhile. Thanks to all our guests who joined us during the week and to my producer, Louise Walsh. Could not do this without her. Thanks a million, Louise. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Have a lovely weekend, no matter what you're doing. Stay safe and do come back and join us for a brand new week of late lunch on LMFM Radio. Monday, 1.30. It's a date. See you then. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.